All right, I'd like to welcome you out to Lodestone Training and Consulting's podcast. Uh, today, joined with me, Chris Johnson. I have Flynn and Malcolm Chrisman. So uh, today, we're going to be talking about night vision, and so we brought on some night vision people: myself, Flynn, and Malcolm. Why are you here? So I work for a company called Night Vision Devices. Um, we partnered with Lodestone um, as their night vision supplier and dealer. Night Vision Devices is the third largest manufacturer and distributor of night vision in the United States. So we make a line of products, either um, PVS-14, some monoculars, PVS-7s, or a dual-tube goggle called the BNVD, and we offer it to military, law enforcement, and civilians. Flynn, you're uh, here for night vision. Why? I am. Uh, I teach the intro to night vision class, where we talk about why night vision, how it works. Um, I also handle Lodestone's night vision sales, and uh, my background is with the uh, my employer, the agency I work for. I handle the R&D for our, our tactical unit, in addition to being on it, and uh, a lot of that involves quite a bit of night vision. And I'm just a nug who's used a lot of night vision. Yeah. Uh, I love it when people ask, well, what are the FOMs on this? I'm like, I couldn't tell you. I can see through it or I can't see through it. I'm kind of an on-off guy, uh, so that's why we have you guys on here to talk about more of those finer points. So uh, BMVD, they're located here in Pennsylvania. Uh, do you have any other offices anywhere else? We do not. So we're, we're headquartered out of Allentown, Pennsylvania, and that's where our main manufacturing facility is. Um, so we're, we're located only here on the East Coast. Um, we've been around in the business for about 25 years now. It's a new new facility, right? Correct. So yep. we, we recently moved um, from Whitehall, PA, to a new facility a little farther north to a larger building so we can upscale production for large military contracts and start really getting systems out to, to law enforcement agencies and then obviously our civilian clients as well. Well, that'll be great because uh, I think 2020 has definitely created a significant bottleneck with uh, night vision supply. 100%. So we've seen a large uptick in sales not only for military and law enforcement use, but civilians. I'd say this year alone with the political climate um you know everything happening in our own country and overseas a lot of people that are new gun owners or previous gun owners are switching over to to bigger and better things like night vision like armor and we're really seeing the night vision field kick off yeah we've we've noticed an uptick in our night vision classes people wanting to come out and become familiar with it and you guys out there listening to this podcast you're listening to it because you want to know more about night vision um, one of the things I always tell people, night vision is life-saving equipment. It's going to give you situational awareness. Uh, it's going to improve your ability to operate, whether it is land naving at night, backpacking, looking at the stars, or running and gunning. Exactly. I'd say one thing that is for certain, one thing that we know is constant in life, is every single night it's going to get dark. We don't know in five years down the road, there might be something going on that you need night vision training for, but humans do not only want to operate during the day. With night vision, it allows you to hunt at night, walk at night, do any form of tactical training at night. Um, you know, simple things for fun, like looking at the stars. Astronomy is a huge field that people are getting into, and we're seeing it really open up to a wider range of people, everyday people that want the ability to, to look at night, you know, do recreational activities. So it's, it's definitely a an up-and-coming market. I recently uh, started reading a new book about Rhodesia and the SAS in Rhodesia, and they were talking about how 
going through their basic training and their selection process, how surprised how much they did at night. And then when they looked back after being operational, realizing how much you actually do at night. And it's interesting because my perspective, uh, my background, I've, yes, worked at night most of the time, but I always had night vision. I always had good quality, uh, you know, most of my career I had dual tubes. So, you know, operating at night is, it's operating at night. I have the advantage reading this book and they're talking about operating at night without night vision, without any of that stuff and having to plan your operations around the lunar cycle so that you had that, that ability to have that ambient light. It is a game changer having night vision. 100%. I would say that you're not dependent now on, obviously, the lunar cycle. You're not dependent on cloud cover blocking out stars. Um, You can go into the deepest, darkest places nowadays and also lit up urban environments, and your night vision is adaptable and definitely gives you that that next level of, of having an effective fighting force or using it as law enforcement for observation. You're no longer stuck to only doing missions in the day. Or being stuck to how much you know illumination is in your environment. But that's the uh, the big thing with night vision in law enforcement. One of the problems is that most police administrators and even a lot of uh, officers themselves think that it's some sort of like sneaky assassin tool. It's it's not. The, I mean, police use white lights so much that it's almost like I think it's enshrined in case law that there's if there's a bunch of flashlights and flashing lights, like you, you're supposed to assume it's the police. Well, you see that in a yeah. lot of the the movies and things yeah. like that where you have that active force that is running around with yeah. white lights on, you know where they're at. Yeah. You, you're aware you, they're gaining some situational awareness, but they're giving up so yes. much by having that light on. Yes. And it, it, it well, you know, good fellas, only cops make that much noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that white light too, doing a lot of force on force, your flashlight gets shot every time. The white light is just, is just a, a, a sim round magnet. Going to night vision as a police officer, it now gives you the ability to de-escalate a situation. White light, I'm not saying it escalates it, but the suspect only has, he may react a different way. Night vision, it's a voice in the darkness calling out commands. And he doesn't have anything to see, so he's not going to fight, which is good for you. You don't have to use deadly force. The arrest goes smoothly, and, and that's that. I mean, if police agencies aren't using night vision, aren't attempting to obtain it, it is expensive. But to me, it's either you pay ten grand now or ten million in a lawsuit later. No, that's a good. That's a good way to look at. It. I always look at it as well. You know, there are all these grants and all these programs out there that these departments can utilize. I just wish I knew how to write grants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's a good point. It's we pay a little now, and we as opposed to paying a lot later, uh, the ability to give our officers or you know our citizens that extra level of situational awareness is invaluable. Exactly. I'd say as a taxpayer, I would much rather have our police outfitted with the proper equipment that can save their lives, but also make myself or others more comfortable if you ever get in that situation. And I'd much rather spend more money to outfit everybody with night vision than have, you know, one of our police officers shot or get into a situation where a victim that could have been saved was shot where night vision could have, you know, and made that next step. And it's become more prevalent. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, night vision was military. Yeah. You know, there wasn't yeah. the the availability. And the, the stuff that was commercially available was ridiculously expensive, and the quality wasn't really there. 
looking through the stuff that MVD makes, it's it surpasses the stuff that I used when I was on the team. There there's some great quality out there, and the price point is honestly, I mean, it's expensive, but it is not ridiculous. It is. It's, it, the price is always coming down, and the quality is always coming up. That's the great thing about any industry. As we get better, we use better materials, lighter materials. And with that, as we make more and more systems, the price keeps going down. So we're really seeing it open up to where your average civilian, your average prepper can't afford night vision. And it's not some taboo um, piece of equipment anymore. And obviously with, with police and law enforcement, we're seeing a lot more agencies buy this. They're using it for surveillance. And it's becoming more of a standard issued gear. So we've... Uh really talked about the advantages and why we should have night vision. So those of you who are out there that don't know where to begin, what what night vision to, to have, uh, what the whole process is. We, we just got done doing a seminar where yep. we, we talked about a lot of that. Yes, we did. Uh, so what is the basic entry that we should be thinking about? What, what are we looking at? Price point? Um, what types of equipment should we be looking at? What are the things that we need to think about? So I'd say when looking at buying a piece of a night vision, first you want to see your actual practical use for it. If you are in the military or in law enforcement or policing and you're looking for a system that is going to be in the field, your life is depending on it, you're probably going to want to spend some more money and get a higher quality system for your average civilian that is looking to be armed, have the ability to, to operate at night, you, you do not need to have the same specifications. So I'd say definitely get your goals in order and know what you kind of want to spend on a piece of night vision before you go out there. Price point? We, we kind of talk about that a lot in different things. Yeah. Just because a, a certain unit or a certain department has something, that doesn't mean that it's right for you. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Baja Racing. Uh, like trophy truck, I just I love it, but I don't need a trophy truck to get exactly. the groceries. <laughs> no, you know, no. Make um, it more fun though. It, it would, it would, yes. But a hundred thousand dollars to go get the groceries—that's uh, questionable. And it goes back to like, what's your use? And there are certain things that are made for military units that are based on their very specific requirements. Like we talked, there's a certain goggle that um I'm issued. Chris had them as well when he was active duty. Awesome goggle, very lightweight, but one of the, the downsides, I think, for, for the armed citizen is the uh, the, the diopter. Because the diopter is set to what? How many percent? Like It's 90%, yeah, I believe. 90%. And you can change it, but you have to send it back to the factory to be changed. Not an issue for an agency customer. Not an issue for the individual if that works. But as a private citizen, you might not want to be stuck with something like that. And some of the products BNV, or NVD makes, they're adjustable diopters for that exact reason. So the individual can customize it to himself without needing a factory support, right? Exactly. So that's a big goal when designing our, our system. We wanted to design a system that would work well for the top specialty groups in the military, but also transfer down to your average civilian. We had to make a system with full diopter adjustment so you're not limited to your eyesight. If you have really bad eyesight, you can correct that with a diopter and focus. If you have amazing eyesight, you can set it to yourself and operate perfectly fine. The diopter now, we have a lightweight diopter that doesn't add any more weight. So there's kind of no, there's not a benefit to not having the diopter on there. Even mm -hmm. if you have perfect eyesight, you can run it and just set it where you want. 
you can also hand it off to somebody else, a family member. And they can adjust it themselves. And they can adjust it themselves. So you're not buying multiple systems. You can use one for multiple tasks. Which is, you know, it's good for a department who has, you know, a limited number of units for, yeah. you know, their, their officers or, or even, you know, a family. I like to, th- I'm going to give this analogy and correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Toyota's racing department. They come out with all of these things for trophy truck, and then it trickles down into when I'm buying my my Tacoma or my Forerunner or whatever. I start to have these, and there are the different tiers. So you might have that Toyota Racing, you know, TDR, or you might have the SR5 package. So what is the SR5 package? What's that entry level? I just need to be able to move around and maybe do some some extra things. I would say the best option for night vision would be a PVS-14. So that is a monocular-style device, so you're only looking through one eye. And I'd say for price point and capability, it's the best system out there. It's popular. There's thousands of them in the military. There's thousands of them in the civilian markets. They are adaptable to your eye, so they come standard with the diopter adjustment and the focus. There's a built-in IR illuminator. They run off of a standard AA battery that gives you about 50 hours of runtime, and it makes you lethal and able to move at night. So I would definitely say PVS-14 is most popular for entry level. Yeah, I know we see a lot on social media people are, and again, I'm, I'm issued dual tubes, but uh, you see people buying almost, I think, crummy systems just to say they have dual tubes. I, in my experience, I'd rather have a uh, monocular with a high-performing tube versus a dual tube system that's not that good. Exactly. and. As a sales guy, I want to sell everybody a dual tube. That would <laughs> right. be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we don't want to mislead people. Right. And we want to stay within people's budget, and we want to get them a system that will help them. And with a PVS-14 that we build, you'll be getting a mil-spec system. It'll be waterproof. It has a 10-year warranty. We're a small veteran-owned business. Um, we, we care about the systems that are out there, and anytime you have a problem with it, you can send it back into us for work. So getting a PVS-14 is definitely not a downgrade to a dual tube. It just fits in exactly what your needs are. The PVS-14 is nice, it's light, it's versatile, it can be weapon mounted, it can be helmet worn or handheld. So it, it definitely has a lot of factors that benefit it. Kind of to what you were saying about a, a good white phosphor uh, yeah. 14 versus bad dual tubes. I spent the majority of my career under PVS-15s, so a, a green, a, you know, older version uh, dual tube. I would much rather have a good quality uh, 14 right now when the white phosphorus. I think that that makes a huge difference. The improvements have happened. You know, I ran the same uh, set of night vision from 2006 to 2015. Uh, when we started seeing the, the white phosphorus come out, that was a huge game changer. We We really appreciated the quality that we got out of that and we were talking about earlier how you're saying that green is in the next few years going to be phased out it's going to be then the obscure one it is we're, we're seeing the market change obviously the the civilian side follows the military's movements so green phosphorus standard for over a decade the white phosphorus is now to the point where it's becoming more issued than green and newly manufactured products are most likely going to be white phosphor. We're seeing the cost almost the same right now, maybe one to $200 difference between white and green phosphorus. 
I'd say in the next coming year or two, you're gonna see white become the less expensive option to green, and green will be a specialty thing. It'll be harder and harder to find green phosphor replacement tubes and green phosphor systems over the new standard of white phosphor. So in your opinion, is there a reason, is there any reason to get green in this, in this time period, in this day and age? So if you were in the military, yep. and you're, or you're currently in the military, and you're really used to a green phosphor system, mm -hmm. and you're looking for one as a civilian now to buy since you've right. gotten out, I would say go with what you're well trained on. You mm -hmm. can go green phosphor. It's still an amazing, amazing image. I don't think that white is leaps and bounds above green phosphor. Lots of people still prefer it. So these systems last a long time. It's not like if you buy a green phosphor system, you're going to have to trade it in in two years. It'll last you 10 to 15 years. So going with green is, is perfectly fine if that's what you're used to. I'd say sure. if you are a new time night vision user, I would not go with green phosphor just because you're, you're in the mindset of, oh, I want to you know, get something that's lower and upgrade to white. I would say there's not a big price difference. Just go with white phosphor and you'll be much happier. Okay. See, I've always said that if I ever won the lottery or, you know, something like that where money was no object, I'd build out my, uh, you know, the mannequins with the uniforms hmm. of each deployment I had. So ah. I would need some green phosphor 14s true. and then some 15s for, uh, for just, you know, museum purposes. So you're going to do like a Tony Stark style, like your Mark One deployment kit up to like your... Uh Okay, I, I guess I, I don't know. I'm not. You never a, I'm saw. Not a, I'm you not never a Marvel, saw Marvel fan. You never yeah, saw. No, Marvel I was now. thinking the. Uh, no, I'm not a DC guy, but uh, the the D Michael Keaton but Batman. D DC, you mean Batman? Yeah, there's yes. nobody else in. It's just Batman. Okay, well, yeah. the uh, the Michael Keaton Batman. He had that. Yeah, all that the room suits. of the armor. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I I kind of dig that. You know, I could see myself having that. Yeah, like yeah. The invasion 2003 with that that ridiculous IBA split through the middle and. <laughs> It was, uh, you know, green. Yeah. <laughs> Short of personal preference, there's no there's no cost benefit anymore to not going with white phosphor. Exactly. It, I'd say a few years ago, if you wanted night vision, white phosphor is obviously a specialty thing, and you'd be spending a lot more money for that. And I'd say for the average consumer, it's not worth it all the time to make that jump and yeah. spend more money just to get a new thing. But nowadays, white phosphor is a common night vision device and it, you're not going to save really any money but you will get benefits from it now since you're uh we have the advantage you you could be able to look behind the curtain at some of these things and the trends and stuff like that i've only seen the uh you know socom's reports on white phosphor and uh its longevity and things like that but is there a significance in the lifespan of either optic the they're green equal. or the they're equal they're equal so that just basically the, the, the phosphor screen, it's vacuum deposited onto a, a screen inside the night vision device. The phosphor color does not matter in terms of useful life or how long it will last. All that really matters is the light that's being emitted into your eye. So they've, they've messed around with all colors of phosphor, green, white, red, some yellows, and they've pretty much narrowed it down to white and green. But you, there's no benefit for lifespan. It's good to know. That is good to that, know. That was one of the questions I had that I, you know... I'm, o I'm always suspicious of anything new. Yes. Like yes. as much as I want to adopt new technology, I'm, I'm still at the same time very conservative with that because like, well, well why are we changing? Like what's, what, what, there's got to be some downside. Well, I, I love reading, oh, it can withstand this many, you know, pressure at this depth. Okay, well, I'm not going to go scuba diving with these things, so I could yeah. care less about that. <laughs> I just need to know they, they'll survive in the rain. <laughs> yeah, they yeah will. pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So the systems, they, 
they are waterproof to 66 feet for three hours. Mainly that's for seals leaving the submersibles underwater. They need to be able to, gotcha. to handle that pressure. Gotcha. But above that, most people aren't going to be diving with their systems. They're meant for rain crossing a river and your night vision's in your pack. You can get your backpack wet and swim with it, you know, a meter or two of water, perfectly fine. And that's the main benefit of going with a mil-spec system that was environmentally tested. Well, and that goes back to what we talked about too with body armor and the AR setup thing is if you go with something that's been tested to a known quantity, you at least know what it can take. Exactly. Because, because every system has a failure point, but by sticking with these known quantities, you then know this is how far I can push it. So if I want to go scuba diving my night vision, I, I need to limit my time to, to under three hours. Exactly. I think we have a new sport. <laughs> yeah. Nighttime scuba diving fishing. <laughs> can, can you put a PEC-15 on a, on a spear gun? I don't see why not. Yeah, right. It had to meet the same standards. So. Yeah, right. So, okay. Night vision spear fishing it is. Exactly. The, the lasers might not work underwater, but it'll definitely handle the pressure. Hmm. This I'm, is, I'm intrigued. Yeah. This goes along with a claymore on the front of a ballistic shield. Yeah, we got to try it out. All right. <laughs> now, you have more products than just the uh, the 14s. Yes, we do. I, I know that the BMVDs, there's several different variants. What what are those variants? So BMVD stands for Binocular Night Vision Device. It is It represents a line of products that we sell. So we sell, I'd say, four main systems. We sell a BMVD. That is a non-gain system. It's a dual tube. And what do you mean by non-gain? So gain control... The easiest way to explain it is brightness. What gain actually is, is the microchannel plate inside of the image tube runs at a really high voltage. That microchannel plate is the active part of the night vision that is amplifying the electrons, which will then produce a brighter image. When you turn that gain control knob up and down, you're moving the voltage up and down, basically amplifying more or less electrons. So that's how that, that system works. On a non-gain system, the gain is set at max which means whenever you turn it on, you turn it right on, you're good to go, it'll be as bright as it gets, and you can complete your missions. The military likes gain control because as they're doing operations, you can adjust the gain depending on your light source. So if you're going to an urban environment with lots of light pollution, you can turn that brightness down for the best tactical advantage. If you're out under heavy tree cover, um, clouds are out, and you have minimal light source, you can turn the gain up to where you feel comfortable running the system. So that would be our BNVD SG, so that stands for single gain. So that's the next upgrade on our, on our goggle. After that, it all comes down to weight savings. So we have a UL version, which basically replaces the optics with brand new lightweight optics. And what does UL stand for? Ultralight. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can, you can buy a BNVD that's non-gain with the UL optics. So that'll be the BNVD UL. And then you can get the ultralight version with single gain. So that'd be a UL BNVD SG. So ultralight binocular night vision device, single gain. Okay. Is there a dual gain? There is. So we do not produce it anymore. That was early on. Um, the, the Air Force bought a bunch of the dual gain systems. They liked the ability to adjust each tube separately. We found that to make our, to make our goggle work for, for standard military use, law enforcement use, and civilian use, a single gain knob was what's easier. It's less things to worry about. Yeah, I can see that. You don't have to worry about adjusting each side equally. I know I'm a little OCD. I would never know if each tube is exactly <laughs> the same brightness. Yeah. I, I, you, you get stuck in your head with that kind of stuff. Well, I'll say from you know my tactical experience, I have played around. I've sat under night vision for thousands of hours, burning objectives, 
trying to get the the best I could. And I've done everything from having, um, you know, my left eye diopter at a different setting than my right eye to see if that made any difference and, you know, changing um, the the focal point on both different tubes and trying to figure out what was best that way. It would just give me one more thing to screw with yeah, to cause myself injury. And that, that's what happened. Every time that I messed with anything, I gave myself a headache. You know, it's it's keep it simple for stupid. Exactly. And that's that's why we stuck with just the single gain system. It's a lot harder to make, but we see a huge benefit from that. Just yeah. We know that when operators are going in, our clients are moving in on a target. The less things that they have to adjust and think about, the safer they are. Yeah. You have to adjust your brightness one time for your for your um, environment. You set your gain. You go in and get the job done. If while you're hitting a target, your environment changes, stadium lights come on because they, they got your motion, you can turn that gain knob down or flip the system up. You don't have to worry about two gain control switches. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, using my experience, more more options means more mistakes. Another reason for having single gain is you can always have your hand on your weapon, and you can adjust the gain switch with your other hand. Dual gain, you have to take both hands off your weapon, adjust them side by side, and then continue. So you, it's safer that way. That, no, that is an me. excellent point. Yeah. No. So we talked about the um, the stadium lights coming on, or, or lights coming on. That that brings a thought up, and I may have cued you guys in on this yeah patriot games well i was gonna say i cups or no i cups oh, no i cups so the i cups are mainly for keeping your your um your signature down so they're not for for in a high light environment not letting light in it's more for not letting light out so the light will splash on the side of your face and the side of your helmet it'll look like two little flashlights are being held to your face so for the most you know super sneaky spy stuff you want to have those eye cups on I do not know a lot of people that run them unless they're in that kind of situation. Yeah. We, we've always pulled them off, and it was that situational awareness. Yeah, that's that's. It, what, if I'm yeah. running my my goggles on and I have those eye cups on and the lights come on in the house, I may still think that I have the advantage. Yeah. Where pulling those off, putting them back in the bag, countable item, you know, still have to have them for inventory. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I was able to better uh, see my situation and – that is something to be aware of. Yeah, if you are walking through the woods and you see a bunch of green dots out there, that is people with night vision. Exactly. Well, that's, what we are, that's what we were always told to, uh, to to ditch the eye cups is so you can read the uh, the lighting conditions so you're not uh, that guy walking through like under a street light like thinking he's sneaking around mm-hmm. because like we've said in every night vision class, night vision is not a cloaking device. It does not make you invisible. It just lets you see at night without anyone else seeing that you're seeing. So... Yeah, I was always told no eye cops for that reason. There's a lot of advantages that we can gain with this system. Like you, we say it all the time, it's a superpower. You you throw a uh, a good quality uh, op- or night vision device on, you have a laser, and you're hitting targets. You're hitting targets with relative ease. Um, I'd say it's almost alarmingly easy. Yes, it, it's, it's kind of like, like cheating. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it really is a cheat code. And it's, it does have a little bit of learning curve. Um, so when it comes to training and getting used to the systems, uh, I always give the advice of put it on and wear it. Walk around your house, turn all the lights off, go down in the basement, uh, go into the garage, do something. Uh, talked about it just now in the class. Sew a button on your shirt. 
uh, and try not to poke your finger and see the, the difficulties on that. What uh, other things are out there? Do you guys have anything industry that you recommend? We just say put it on, walk around your house first, just because most people know their house layout. They can get around their house, their eyes closed. Put the night vision on. You always have to exaggerate your movements. You always want to pick your feet up when walking over things so you don't trip. Um, move your hands slowly when trying to get glasses off the countertop, but walk around your house, try to unload the dishwasher, wash your hands, tie your shoe, um, you know, play with the focus in your diopter at pictures in your house from different distances so you can get that down pat before you go outside. Once you go out into an outside environment where you're not as familiar, you definitely want to exaggerate your, your movements, picking your feet up, you know, really ducking under roofs, entryways, tree branches, and stuff like that until you become really good at using it. I think we have a, a new challenge. Uh, this should be the new, uh, like, I don't know, Instagram game of what uh, what obscure task you can do while wearing night vision. <laughs> That's true. But you need to film it with night vision, otherwise it's just a black screen. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. completely. But I, I think yeah. this is... I, I think so. Yeah, this is, this is the way to go. One of the big things I think you need to practice on your night vision is, is your reloads. Just because you're losing that focus, it's almost like doing it blindfolded. Mm-hmm. That's one task, but yeah, I, I agree. I learned the most on night vision just walking around. One of the first formal night vision classes I attended, they uh, set up a shoot house, and there were no targets. There was nothing. It was just stuff everywhere, and you just walk through. And it was just learn how to walk with night vision because one of the, uh, I wouldn't even say downsides, challenges to using night vision is, is the limited uh, field of view you get. So you do have to scan and assess and look around. You can't rely as much on your peripheral vision. And, and just getting in the practice, okay, I've got to keep turning my head to keep see where everything is. We talk about that, you know, not looking through your red dot. Yeah. Because it's walking around looking through the toilet paper tube. You put night vision on, you're walking around looking through the toilet paper tube. But the advantage is if you are not doing that, you're not seeing anything. So you have to understand... The, the time and place for it. So, like you said, Malcolm, doing the uh, the exaggerated movements, and we talk about that in our CQB classes as well, of how you walk and how you roll your feet. When you come to our level two classes, our, our movement classes, we talk a lot about that because whether you're doing it under night vision or in daylight, your focus is not on your feet, and it's important that we know how to walk. It's fun when you have new students to come and we're like, okay. We're going to walk now. Well, I've been doing this, you know, for 30, 40 years. Yes, but now you're doing it and doing something else at the same time. It's, it's definitely a learning curve. And I'd say when people try it on for the first time, be humble. You do not want to take your first step, trip, fall, and break $10,000 in the front of your head. So <laughs> no. you definitely want to try and practice and get it down. Walk before you run and run before you start doing any sort of shooting anything like that you want to be as safe as possible yeah yeah i agree i mean it's it's the nice thing about night vision is the majority of the stuff you have to do with it you don't have to be shooting with just walking around the house walking around the neighborhood practicing you know reloads in your garage just putting stuff together i mean we, we joke about doing the dishes on the night vision but you could do dishes on the night vision. Remember we talked about mowing the lawn with your plate carrier? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yep. depending on how cool you are with your neighbors, you might want to mow your lawn with your night vision. Ooh, then I need a uh, a lawnmower muffler. It's true. Yeah, maybe uh, some IR, maybe some IR 
bulbs for your mower, yeah, yeah. your tractor. Yeah. See, I uh, I actually have a battery powered lawnmower. I, I did this because I have a, a very large yard. If you're watching the YouTube feed, you can see my disappointed yeah. face. So <laughs> a battery powered lawnmower. Ba- battery powered lawnmower. I have a very large yard, which means that I can only cut an hour's worth at a time, and then I have to take a break. Ah. You know, I, I'm. I'm I'm building in the. Uh, it's, the it's, not, it's not a glitch. It's a feature. It's a feature. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a feature. Uh, no, actually, you know, I'm. I've talked about it before. I'm addicted to Dewalt. If it's orange and, or yellow and black, I I have to buy it. I got two 10 amp hour batteries, and they threw in a lawnmower. I bought it for the batteries. Yeah. All right. You know? That's a good deal. Yeah. But so I could I could mow my lawn. Yeah, you could. I might, have, I might have to yeah. do this. You have to try it once. Yeah, I'll take a before and after picture. Yeah, yeah. The, the stripes look like, like you were like you were drinking when you cut the lawn. But. <laughs> yeah, you might miss some patches. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I could set out some IR chem lights or something as you know, point guides, markers. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. All right, enough about how to mow your lawn with night vision. Um, <laughs> wearing your plate carrier too. Uh, so, what other support equipment is needed with night vision? That that nvd sells like you sell mounts you sell we do so we we sell pretty much anything that has to do with night vision mounting it or operating it if you buy a pvs 14 with us Mm -hmm. it comes with the j arm so that is an arm that attaches to the system which will then attach into a head mount we ship it with a skull crusher so that is an elastic and plastic head mount system that goes on your on your head and it attaches right in so you can run it like that so that'll ship with as far as upgrading from that we sell helmets, either bump or ballistic. We sell Wilcox and Narotos uh, night vision mounts. So the G24 and the G22 for your dual tube system, or the G11 or the Narotos Rhino 2 for your PVS14. Mm-hmm. So we have all that in stock. And uh, as far as lasers, we sell Steiner lasers. We can get L3 lasers. So the D ball, right? Yeah, so we, we sell the D-Ball, the O-Tall-C, or the D-Ball I-Squared. So okay. That's, that's their systems. Um, we can get you the PEC-15 or 16, the civilian version, or if you're law enforcement, we can get high-powered. Okay. Um, Brolis has a laser called the M4. That is a nice laser. That is restricted for LE only or government, but that's a nice one. And then BE Myers, obviously, with the mall, we can get those as well. So... And just real quick, you can do them all, uh, the the class one, the civilian legal, and the full power, right? Correct. Okay, cool. We're the first company to jump into a five-year warranty that covered our system, including the image tube. And then a few years later, we jumped into a 10-year warranty. That warranty is special because if your tube fails at year three due to a manufacturer defect, we replace that out of pocket. Sometimes we can send them back to L3 or Elbit, and if they see something catastrophic that went wrong with the tube, they'll replace it. But mostly it's on us. And we agree to give that 10-year warranty because we have confidence in our product. We know that it'll be quality. We've been testing it, and we've been in business for over 25 years, and we haven't seen many systems come back. They've been fielded. I think we've had over 20,000 systems fielded by the U.S. military in all sorts of situations, in all sorts of MOSs, and I think there's about a 1% warranty rate on those systems. And usually that just comes down to things out of our control, like being dropped. Yeah, the... uh the warranty is really what stands out to NVD for me. I mean, 10 years is, is quite a while. I and mean, you consider the significant investment that you have to make in, in exactly. night vision. It's that you guys are doing the tubes. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Exactly. So with us, we like to think of it as a relationship. It's a minimum 10-year relationship. 
These image tubes are tested to work between 10 to 12,000 hours. Depending on if you're active duty military and you're using them all the time, that might shorten it to a certain amount of years. For civilians, 10,000 hours might get you a system that lasts 20 years. We have been, we're older than 20 years, we plan on being around a lot longer than 20 years. And if you have a problem with your system, we're super easy to work with. You give me a call, we get it sent back in for maintenance, repairs, we can upgrade systems. We also work on all night vision that is DOD fielded and most foreign or aftermarket parts. So if you have an older system, if you have something like a PBS5, a 4, um, you know, other brands like PBS31s or Elbit systems, we can repurge them. We can work on them, you know, diagnose problems and issues with the image tube, and we're happy to do that for you. Now, you, you're talking about tubes, and this is just because, again, sometimes we assume that everyone has the same level of knowledge as we do. Uh, what is the tube? And you've mentioned uh, other manufacturers. What, what do you mean by that? So the image tube, I would say, is the engine of your night vision device. It is the part of your night vision that is actually amplifying light and giving you an image. The way it works in, in the simplest means is that photons coming from a light source or electrons coming from a light source enter the front of the image tube. They go through a photocathode, which can either be a generation two or generation three, which just comes down to efficiency of light transmission. And that photocathode will turn those photons into electrons. They can then hit the microchannel plate, which is, has a high amount of voltage on it, and they pass through the microchannel plate through little tiny holes that are cut on an angle. They pass through, they bump the side of the glass, and they multiply. The system gain on a Gen 3 is between 60 to 80,000 times. So one electron turns into 60,000 electrons. They rush back and hit a phosphor screen, which glows when struck by electrons, giving you the image that you see. So that's kind of the, the powerhouse of it. There's two U.S. manufacturers currently, Elbit Systems and L3 Harris. Elbit is the new ITT, which was then Excellus and was then bought by Elbit and is now Elbit USA. So they've been, they've been running forever. L3 is the other company that makes them and they've been around just as long. And they're the only two companies that actually sell to the military. The third recognized manu tube manufacturer in the world is Photonis. They're a French company. They supply over 80% of all NATO forces overseas and they're really popular. They're just not as popular in the United States because we like to run with US-made Gen 3 mil-spec systems. Yeah, no we, one wants to buy things made in Europe. Exactly. So they're, they're, they're actually really nice. The, the Photonis systems, we love selling them. They work great. We just do not sell them to the military because they're only looking for Gen 3. But for civilians, people on a budget that do not need to have a, a combat mil-spec system, Photonis makes an amazing image tube. They're great to work with. They have a great warranty. Are they Gen 2 or Gen 3? So they are Gen 2 Plus. The big thing that makes the generations of image tubes jump from 0, 1, 2, and 3 was the addition of the microchannel plate. That moved things from Gen 2 to Gen 3. Photonis has a microchannel plate in their image tube, which is the, the physical part actually amplifying electrons. The reason they're not considered Gen 3, according to the Department of Defense's definition, is they have a, a double alkali photocathode which is a less efficient photocathode and does not give the same amount of electron yield as the gallium arsenide photocathode in generation three systems. So they are limited in low light situations. They have about half the photocathode response of a gen three system, but they still perform amazing. And any night vision system is better than none. We're the only US manufacturer that actually 
can build systems with all three image tube brands, L3, Elbit, or Photonis. So there's a lot of flexibility there. And we can also do conversions from older systems to newer systems. So we can take our housing, the BNVD or the BNVD SG, and we can take two of your PVS-14s. If you're law enforcement, you have a bunch of them on hand, and you'd like to upgrade to a dual tube without buying all new systems, we can pull your image tubes out, match them, adjust some specs on them, and put them into one of our goggles for you. What about if you had a, uh, uh, I know a lot of their people still have them kicking around the, uh, the Anvis 6s or Anvis 9s. So an Anvis system, if nobody knows, it's, it's an aviation system. It is a set gain, non-articulating night vision device made for flying aircraft. You can use them as a ground-based system. You're just limited a little bit. You can't adjust the gain. They're usually a little bit heavier. Um, the image tubes in them, they're the MX 10160s, which basically means they don't have the ability to be gain adjusted. We can pull the image tubes out of that system for you and put it into our goggle, a 14 or a BNVD. We can also repair your ANVIS system. So if you have an old ANVIS system, we can easily put new image tubes in it. You just won't be able to use it for actual flying. It won't be FAA certified, but we can work on ANVIS systems. Okay. Yeah, I just know some guys like, like that ball detent style and just roll around with them anyway. So that's, that's good to know they can still be repaired and upgraded. Exactly. So the other question I had is, can you break down uh, thin-filmed, filmless, unfilmed? Like, what do those things mean? Yes. So inside the image tube, the most fragile part is the photocathode. So Generation 2 systems have a double alkali photocathode. It is not as efficient as, trans as transmitting light as a Generation 3 one, but it's also not as easily damaged. So early on, the way that your image tube decreases over time, it degrades, is because that photocathode is being worn out. Okay. It's constantly being reactive, and over time, your image will dim and dim and dim, which means as you turn your gain knob up, nothing's happening. When moving to the Gen 3 system, the U.S. government helped pay for the creation of the gallium arsenide photocathode, which is why we restrict it for ITAR and we don't let it out to other countries. That photocathode is so sensitive, it can easily be damaged by light. And early on, the military was having problems with the systems wearing out. They're, they're saying that, you know, these are a lot of money and we're not really getting a useful life out of them. We need to do something to protect the system. Filming is an ion barrier that is coated inside the image tube around the photocathode. Just like free radicals out in nature and inside your body, if an electron comes in the front and it doesn't go straight back through the photocathode, it can bounce around in there and you'll just be wearing out that photocathode, making it less efficient and dim over time. So L3 and Elbit, or at the time ITT, came out with a full filmed system. It was a thick ion barrier that was inside the tube to absorb electrons. The positive was that your system lasted a lot longer. The negative was that the ion barrier, the filming process, was so strong that in low light situations, it was absorbing electrons that could have been used to make light. So people didn't want them. They came out with unfilmed systems, which obviously degrade quicker. That's something that can't really be argued. L3 and Elbit both come out and acknowledge that. If a system does not have any filming on it, it, just not, it does not have a means to protect itself and it will degrade quicker. They came out with thin film, which is kind of the happy medium. It allows the most amount of light transmission, the most amount of, of useful electrons to make the system run while still protecting that photocathode from free radicals in there that will break it down over time. You can see the, the degradation curve from unfilmed systems to thin film systems. Unfilmed systems will degrade quicker. 
with modern manufacturing, unfilmed systems are amazing. They do last a long time, but a thin film system in theory will last longer. I know that there's been a lot of testing at Night Vision Labs for the new Marine Corps contract, and they went with an Elbit thin film white phosphor system. They did not find a significant measurable increase in performance going with an unfilmed system. Unfilmed systems are made by both Elbit and L3. L3 also makes full film systems just like Elbit. So both manufacturers see a need for some form of filming process. I know that there's a lot of hype around an unfilmed versus thin film system. A popular system that was made for US SOCOM was an unfilmed system. The thought process in that was we want a system that performs the best at peak performance. If there's any possibility that filming it will decrease its performance, we don't want it. We'd rather have the best performing system. We would we would let we can just replace it whenever we yeah, want. Yeah, going back to standing with Big Green, you know, we can every time we come back from a trip, we can get new tubes. Exactly. That's not a problem. I would rather have the best capability, you know, for the six months that I'm over, the nine months that I'm over, come back get a new tube. Me as a civilian don't have the budget for don't it. Don't have the budget to keep replacing tubes. Exactly. So police departments that have limited budget, it's, it's really hard to sell a police department on something that might not perform well down the road. Yeah, I can tell you uh, generally the big problem with police departments is that they, uh, they're not good with maintenance or logistics. So they're going to buy something, and then if in five years it breaks, they're going to say, well, why is it broken? Exactly. So, so, or not broken, but why is it having problems? Why does it need maintenance? And it might be hard at that point to try to replace it and get new systems because yeah. the people who write the checks saw that it failed. Yep. So that's why both image tube companies make thin film and unfilmed systems. They have their purposes, and uh, that's why we make systems with all three. So when we're selling to police departments, civilians, we usually recommend either an Elbit or L3 or Photonis system that has a thin film or full film on it. When selling to specialty groups like a SOCOM unit, we usually hold performance much higher than price. Performance is key right there. So we can make image tubes with everything. I'd say with that, you get a 10-year warranty. So getting an unfilmed system will still be covered in the same warranty as a thin film system, even if it's not protected as long. Yeah, it goes back to you know what Toyota Racing Department does for their you know Baja is one thing. But what you do for your daily driver may be a little bit different. Exactly. You don't have the same kind of budget. And that's why we want to fit each goggle to each person buying it. We can make a dual coupe goggle that's, you know, an L3 or Elbit super high FOM system that performs well for a combat mission. Or we can supply something that is lower in budget, still covered in our 10-year warranty for a police department or your average civilian just trying to have night vision capable tasks. Awesome. I have to say that uh, I'm pleased to be partnered with you guys. There's a lot that you guys bring to the table. And our clients that are out there, they deserve the best. They deserve this good warranty and the flexibility that you bring. And exactly. I think it's, it's a, a good uh, – you guys run a good balance of budget with capability. Thank you. Yeah, we've been, we've been in the industry for a long time, decades we have great relationships with all three tube manufacturers, L3, Elbit, and Photonis. We are veteran-owned small business, and we want people to have the best product. We think Night Vision should be in the hands of everyone. We want you to have a quality system that you can depend on, and that's what we try to produce. Going with the uh, 
the helmets and the mounts and things like that. We know that it's going to cost us about 3K to get into a set of 14s. You have to, when you're doing your budget and you're doing your plan for this, think about that whole system. You say it, it ships with the J-Arm and it ships with a Skull Crusher. And I will tell you from experience, wearing a Skull Crusher, um, yes, it is better than nothing. But if you're given the choice of wearing a Speedo to the beach or a pair of board shorts, you may want to opt for wearing the board shorts. Exactly. Okay. Uh, it's all about the comfortability. Um, it's going to do everything it's supposed to do, and it does it pretty well. I, I, I got to admit that the, the old school Skull Crusher, the plastic and elastic, it is going to hold that optic there in front of your face, and you're going to be able to move. It's just not going to be very comfortable. Um, there are upgraded versions out there, and you talked about the different mounting systems and, and going with a, a bump helmet or a... Um, a ballistic helmet. Again, it goes back to what kind of operation you're going to be doing. Uh, do you need a ballistic helmet? That's up to you. Exactly. That's, that's a big question I get when working with the retail sales. Do I need a ballistic helmet? People think they do all the time. It depends on what you're going to be doing. If you are going to be doing astronomy, night hiking, anything like that, getting the original Skull Crusher or an upgraded version is perfect. If you want a more rigid mounting system and some protection, because while hiking, you can trip and fall, hit your head on tree branches. That's a big thing. Walking on a tree limbs and scraping the top of your head is never a fun time. So moving up to a bump helmet is nice for that. On the prepper side, a bump helmet is nice because you do have some protection. If you're driving your car with night vision on, which is hard to do, and you get an accident, your head hits the window, you're wearing a bump helmet. You're out at night. If there's any form of riot going on, people are throwing bottles at you you're at least wearing a bump helmet that will protect yourself while holding your night vision. From there, moving up to ballistic, I'd say that's if you're expecting to take rounds or be in a combat zone, obviously a ballistic helmet is perfect, but it's not necessary to wear the night vision. Yeah, I've got to say, so um, I also have a ballistic helmet, cry airframe, but uh, when I go on my night hikes, I'm just wearing the nightcap, a little soft, the, the cry version, the skull crusher, because it's who wants to wear all that weight when you're just out walking around. Exactly. I know from you know being an instructor doing the night vision classes, wearing a uh, ACH that I have, I can't even tell you how many. Well, I, I think about six, six of my deployments I had the ACH. Uh, a lot of time underneath that that piece of uh, equipment. I'd still I'm thinking about doing a bump helmet for classes. Yeah. It's and funny. I'm actually thinking about the same thing just because the weight. The, the, the weight, helmet. yeah, it really comes down to that. And, you know, I've gone back and forth with getting a skull crusher, you know, one of the nice little, like, soft socks that goes on the head or something like that, or a, a bump helmet. And honestly, I'm going to just go with the bump helmet. I'm going to spend a little bit more, get that rigid piece of plastic or, or carbon fiber so I have something that's lightweight, gives me a level of protection. But it's that rigidity that I'm really looking at yeah. that, that yeah. I like that. Yeah. Exactly. I think the best option is just to have both, have your ballistic helmet and a bump helmet. I know we, we do lots of climbing at night, rappelling and stuff like that. You need to be wearing a helmet for that. You don't want to hit your head in a rock. Um, you know, you swing off a cliff and swing into it. Y you want some protection there. But I don't always want to walk around with my $1,300 ballistic helmet. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to drop it and crack it, anything like that. I, I treat it like a really nice motorcycle helmet. If you crash once, get a new helmet. If you drop your ballistic helmet you know, from four feet up on concrete, I'd probably not be okay with that. With a ballistic or the bump helmet, it's less that, expensive, yeah, and it's made to do it's that. It's made to, made to do take that. bumps. Yep. Yeah. 
And, you know, there is an advantage to having the, the soft uh, skull crusher, you know, stick it in your pocket, things like that. If you're lightweight backpacking, we, we've talked about that. Yeah, if that's what you're doing, it, it comes down to mission specific. What, what are my goals here? Uh, what do I want to be able to do? For me, as an instructor, being out on the range, um, I want that rigidity. Uh, and I, we, we joke about the different mounts and things like that. It's that tolerance stacking. I yep. want to have that all of the pieces and parts working in harmony together to give me the most stable thing in front of my face so that I don't have to worry about it. Exactly. And I'd say another market for that is the hunters. The hunters with night vision, they want something that's comfortable that they can wear all night long, which is not a skull crusher. But they do not need any ballistic they do not need any ballistic protection. You know, usually coyotes and, and hogs aren't shooting back. So a nice bump helmet is perfect for that. It's rigid, it holds it real nice, it's comfortable for eight hours at night, and it's it's exactly what you need without spending too much money on a helmet that you don't need. Uh, so a good friend of mine, he uh uses his work stuff to uh get into his tree stand that's exactly what i was yeah. going to say is is knowing i always thought for hunters it's it's shooting animals be it pests or varmints but actually talking to uh, a couple of guys who ordered from us they wanted it to get into their tree stand yeah it, it's that they don't have to wait till first light or, mm-hmm. or just that they can go in under darkness get set up and then catch the the animal yeah, at the first game. light yep. yeah i saw i i never heard of that but it, it makes a lot of sense and it just goes to show you with this night vision it's like any other tool you're only limited by well i guess by daylight but also by like what your imagination is and how you can use this well it's kind of like you said malcolm we know that it's going to get dark tonight we know that it's going to get dark tomorrow night and it's going to continue to do this so this is one of those items of equipment that you're going to find utility for it it's not a one of type thing it's not like you're buying a highly accurized uh bolt gun that well, there's only one range in my state or in my county, yeah. and I'm only going to shoot this thing once a year. You can buy a $3,000 pair of night vision, and you can use it every night. Exactly. And, and we see that. You do not have to be a tactical person to own night vision. And in, in the market, we're really trying to make that a more common thing. We sell a lot to, like I said, astronomy guys. They have no, They don't own any guns. They live out in the woods. All they want to do is look at stars, and they take their 14 with them on a hike up the mountain. They don't have to carry white light, which is ruining everybody else's time. Mm-hmm. Yep. They get to get to where they want to sit, look up in the sky, have a fun time. Women taking the trash out at night. I know a lot of guys that will buy a system for themselves and one for their wife. She wants to walk to the end of the road with, with night vision on. It makes her feel more comfortable. They put an IR strobe on their dog to let it out at night. Their dog runs off in the middle of the woods. They can just put their night vision on and watch it and call it back in. You're so, no longer blind. Oh, so it's funny. That's is, brilliant. I want to do that with my dog. What's funny is actually uh, my teammate, uh, Chris's favorite guy on my team, who's not me, actually. It's it's my teammate. Um, I, I'm he, sorry. He's just better. I, dude, I know. I know. But uh, It's okay. I'm not the best guy on my team. Yeah. Um, so he actually will go night hiking with his dog like night trail runs and he did the same thing he's got his 14s in a little backpack and he's got the dog with an ir strobe on it so he can find his dog because the place where he's running is supposed to be closed after dark but who's going to know when you're out there with night vision and yeah he's got his dog running around with with the ir strobe on so it's again it's it's kind of like uh suppressors it's it's a suppressor makes a gun quieter it does whatever you do with a quieter gun is up to you whether it be hunting uh you know pest elimination home defense or just enjoying shooting without 
all the noise, same thing with night vision. You see in the dark. Whatever you want to do in the dark and see in the dark is up to you. So we've talked about night vision. Uh, you guys also sell thermals. I get asked the question, no, okay, I'm assuming you guys sell thermals we've talked about in the past. Uh, I don't know what systems you guys sell right now. And I know that a lot of people have asked, well, you know, I saw this this ad on on the social medias about this, this system and it's $300. It's a thermal. Should I buy that versus night vision? My, my general is... Uh, no, you shouldn't buy that $300 thing to replace a $3,000 thing. One, you don't know where, you know, what its true capabilities are and things can be faked. There is a, a reason for thermals. I've used thermals a lot in my career. Yeah, I've used them a you, fair bit. You've used them a fair bit and you guys sell them. So let's, let's talk about thermals. So thermals, we do not manufacture them, but we're close with all the companies that do. So obviously the big name ones, FLIR, Trigicon, Brolis, um, Pulsar, they make the thermal products. We can get any of them in if you're interested. You can also order it right through Lodestone. Thermals are nice for detection. So you cannot really operate and run around to them like the movie Predator. That would probably make you throw up. <laughs> but they're perfect for seeing, for a hunting purpose, deer bedded down, coyotes bedded down. With night vision, you can only see what you would be able to see in the daytime. If someone's standing behind a tree or laying in tall grass, night vision's not going to help you there. So observing with thermal is perfect. For military and policing, that's also perfect. You can see targets that can't see you because they're hidden, but you can see their heat signature. So we sell handhelds and rifle-mounted systems as well. Yeah, I've, I've used uh, a fair amount. I was on a, a special reconnaissance team, so... We would switch back and forth, uh, you know, maybe have one observation device out there with thermal and one observation device out there with uh, some sort of night vision device, and you go back and forth between the two systems. Uh, I see a huge advantage with thermal for that scanning purpose. Uh, search and rescue, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I have seen some good work with them mounting them on drones uh, using some of the smaller uh, FLIR um, I believe it's FLIR 1. It's a small attachment camera. It is a limited system. Uh, it's not as great as some of the other $70,000 things out there. Uh, it, I think that one of the things that we, we've all been misled with Hollywood is the difference between a cheap thermal and a high-quality thermal. There is a, a considerable difference. Oh, yeah. There's a yeah. huge difference. So <clears throat> cheaper thermal will work it all comes down to your purpose again if you are hunting and you're just looking for hogs that you know are there a cheap thermal will be able to spot them out for you but when it comes down to more important events like military or law enforcement or prepping or hunting long range the cost comes into accuracy at distance how well can that system pick up a heat signature at a certain distance i know like the trigicon ir hunter and reap ir they're accurate to half a degree fahrenheit at over 500 yards away which wow. is just crazy. So you can see people, they put their hand on a doorknob and they remove it. It'll glow for about 20 seconds. So for law enforcement, you see a guy, you know he ran down a long hallway in an apartment building. You don't know which door he went in. You're not trying to search every single door. You put your thermal on, you can see which door handle he touched. You got to get there pretty quick, but it helps with that. We've actually found guys, uh, uh, armed suspects who have run and tossed firearms. We've been able to recover the firearm because it's been held, you know, 
inside the the waistband of their pants because you know he's a bad guy and he's a holster. Yeah. And it's retained so much body heat, they toss it and you see it glowing white hot or black hot depending on whichever thermal set on. And so it's again, you're only limited by your imagination and what the tech can do. Exactly. And from there, upgrading a new thing that is happening with night vision are fusion devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either a goggle that has thermal capability in it. I know that L3 makes one like the the PVS 36s. Yep. Yes. So those systems are nice, but they're heavy. The military battery drain too. Battery drain, a lot of power, a lot of weight, and you always have that thermal on. With a with an integrated device like the E-Cody or Cody, you can put a thermal device on the front of your night vision and have a thermal overlay. That really helps with obviously observing targets. Now you don't have to switch between a handheld thermal and your night vision. You can have it two in one. So you can see that deer bedded down or that suspect laying in the tall grass on the side of the road and he'll have a thermal overlay, but then you have the natural look of night vision and you can actually take shots. And and it's interesting you bring that up because I was talking, I was training with a unit who at the time was being tasked with some subterranean stuff and uh, they were to fooling around with the fusion systems and they were trying out both the the 36s and the uh dual tubes with the uh the cotty yeah and they said by and far away they preferred the cotty due to the weight issues the battery drain issues so I, I i agree that's the way to go i know some law enforcement teams that i've worked with are using the cotties as well in the same respects uh and nvd sells the cotty right we do so we sell the cotty um for civilian mm-hmm. and military and law enforcement and then the new e cotty mm-hmm. we do not offer it to civilians, but we sell it to law enforcement and military. And it's not offered to civilians, not because it's restricted, just because it's a supply chain issue, right? It's a supply chain issue. Okay. Correct. So there's no law. There's no like, hey, we don't like selling to Joe, you know, the regular people. It's just, it's limited supply going to, to, to the government customer. Early on, when it first came out, it was restricted. Really? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I'll say that I've messed around doing handheld with the the fusion systems and the reason why we did the handheld was because the battery life was so ridiculous that you know you have an external battery pack that you clip onto the back of your helmet but you're changing it like it was like every three hours or something that was just that's almost on it it, it was it was a hindrance to operations so we would use it as a handheld something to be you know scanning once you were in position I really, really like the the system. I'm excited that you know the Ecotti and things like that are are out there in the Cotti that those are becoming available. That just like 14s 20 years ago were ridiculous expensive for everyone to have. In the next few years, as the military sees the value of this, it's going to become more readily available. And it is, you know, a hybrid is in this case something to look at and something to think about uh, improving your situation. I don't think personally that it will bar me from buying a set of 14s right now with the thought of, well, I'm going to wait five more years until this next thing comes out. Uh, I say right now, if you can afford it, buy a set of 14s. If you're looking at, well, I want to save another year and get a set of uh, dual tubes, does your operation justify you having dual tubes? Or is it, I want to look cooler than the next guy in the range? Buy a set of 14s this year, save up next year, buy those dual tubes, see if you need them. It's just like having that that extra gun. I don't look in my, uh, my little gun closet and say, oh, 
I only ever use you. I look in there and be like, I'm glad I have all of you guys here. <laughs> I love all of you. Do the same thing with the night vision. It is something that you can buy one every year, you know? Yeah, I got to say, too, I mean, if 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 you decided that you needed to sell it to, to bootstrap your way into a set of dual tubes, it holds its value. Night vision does. I've, I've not seen it. It generally stays, you know, more or less. Uh, well, we've talked about that constant. with the mileage. You yeah. know, it has a 10-year lifespan, a 15-year lifespan. It has yep. traction. It's not like you buy this item and next year you're going to need to replace major parts on it. And honestly, aside from the, um, now this is me being the nug talking, you guys may have, you know, your R&D and you being in the industry may have different uh, perspectives. The 14 right now is the same 14 that I used in 2003. Correct. Minus the fact that now it's a little sharper with the white phosphor, or I may feel that it's a little sharper, but it's the same thing. So the, the PVS 14, I know the night vision next program is out with the military and they're talking about what night vision is going to be in the future and what are we going to continue having. The word in the industry is that a PVS-14 is going to be around for at least another 10 years. It's not a system that's going away. It's kind of a tried-and-true product. They haven't really changed that much. The housings are the same. The boards are the same. The optics are the same. They're improving the tubes every single year. Optics are becoming crisper with the glass, how they make it, how much light can be transmitted. But the system in itself is designed amazingly. You can hand it to anybody. You can observe with it, weapon mount it, headwear, uh, helmet mount it. It has its own IR illumination built in, full diopter and focus. And they're not going to go away anytime soon. And even if something in the future comes out that's super crazy, the PVS-14 will still let you see it dark much better than anybody without night vision. And I think the thing you remember is, too, is we're not trying to talk about a dual tube system. Exactly. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got money for dual tubes, get them. But what I, what I want to avoid is is people saying, oh, well, I mean... It's not worth it if I can't have dual tubes. I don't want people to think that. I mean, if, if you've got a PVS-14 and a good tube, like we've talked about, the jump from nothing to a 14 with a good tube is huge. The jump from 14 with a good tube to duals is, it's a jump, but it's not anywhere near the capability gap that nothing on a PVS-14 is. Exactly. I like to think of it as TVs. If you don't have a TV in your house, you're yeah. just staring at a blank wall. Yeah. That's super boring. That's without night vision. Yeah. You can get an older TV that works, and you're going to be having a lot more fun than the guy without a TV. From there, moving up, you get high-definition TVs and the 4K yeah. Ultra. I'd say that's how it is with the image tubes and upgrading the night vision. Yeah. It's better to have it than not to have it. And getting crazy high spec and spending tons of money is not always worth it for your purposes. Yeah, I agree. Don't buy television, buy night vision instead. Exactly. When it's dark at night, go outside. <laughs> go outside. And, yeah, don't, don't sit inside and watch TV. Go outside and use your night vision. Uh, I think er- earlier I heard you canceled cable finally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Well, think about it like this. Get rid of that direct TV. You know, that's yep. what, $120 a month? You know, you're... In a few years, you've saved up to buy a set of 14s. It, exactly. It's it's a slightly different topic, but when I used to teach in service, this is prior to our, our, our medical program getting off the ground. Uh, we didn't issue tourniquets, and I would kind of uh, encourage guys to buy their own tourniquets, and guys would sit there and complain, and this is a week-long course. And I was like, well, if you skip going to the Burger King every day this week, you can afford a couple of tourniquets. They're not that expensive. Same thing, too. Everyone's got a budget, but it's what do you want to spend your money on. Do you need that fifth AR-15? Do you need that seventh carry pistol in the rotation? Do you need multicam cry precision pants? 
Which I love cry. Do you need those? Or you better no, serve with hiking pants. But but I really do need a set of like coyote tan cry pants. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just you know, next time someone's doing a well, I mean, I am buy. I am a believer in professionalism and uniformity, and, and Lodestone does need to have, you know, instead of the, the myriad of hiking pants, I think maybe some cry, some khaki cries. Let's would, just, would look let's just be honest. Uh, I'm an old man, and when I take a knee, I like to have some pads. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the, that crunch you feel is not the gravel. No, <laughs> it's no, your it's knees. Not. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just with with all that stuff, just. Quit inventing needs for new guns and, and have a couple of good guns and, and go buy some night vision. And it, I can say, I wouldn't say I get bored as an instructor or as a student, but after all, certain things do get, get stale. And it's like, okay, it's the same thing time time. Night vision never gets old. I'm not tired of shooting with night vision. It is just the coolest thing, whether it's teaching it, shooting it. And half the fun of teaching night vision is is watching students shoot with night vision for the oh, first time. Yes. It's, it, 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 when you get someone to finally understand the yep. laser mm-hmm. and the look on their face of like, I hit it every time. Well, oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. You're following the eight principles. Yep. You're holding the, the laser on the target. You're going to hit it. it. It's amazing how well that works. Yeah. But no, just watching somebody for the first time when they get that first experience with that stuff, it's, <laughs> it's impressive. It's fun. It's fun to watch that person as they like get through and they're like, wow, this is why I'm doing this. This is so fun. You know? Exactly. It's a big thing I see with the retail sales, trying to convince a guy over the phone that not only he needs his night vision, yeah. he needs to buy a laser, and it's really worth it. They think I'm just trying to sell him stuff, and they order it, they get it a, a couple days later, and they always call back, and they say, I did not understand what you meant on the phone. This is crazy. Yeah. And that's what I joke is that uh, it's like a vicious cycle we have, or not a vicious cycle, it's a good cycle we have. Uh, night vision sells night vision training, and night vision training sells night vision. I've, I've yet to see anyone come to a night vision class because we have loaner units. We do have things to hand out and do it and then walk away saying, nah, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I, we've had students try to buy the demo units in, in class. <laughs> like it's, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. like shut up and take my money. I'll buy the demo unit. It's, and, and we get a lot of our orders from guys who come to class. And then after you come to a class and you've got your night vision, you're like, well, I want to do this again. Because you're like, oh, well, this is how it works. You want to start getting better and you start tweaking that, that setup around working at night. Exactly. I'd, I'd say I'm a younger guy and a lot of my friends and I are in the same boat on budget. It's pretty small right now. It is, yeah. And they don't even ask me to see it. They say, don't show me the night vision. I don't want to look at it. I'm just going to be thinking about it all day long. So once you look at it, you're kind of sold. I've uh, There's a phrase, uh, luxury once tasted becomes necessity. And uh, that goes back to, uh, we talked in the Body Armor podcast, buy the most you can afford, don't sell yourself short because I talked about how I was buying my own body armor or my own rifle plates. And I, I was like, no, no, I can't afford that plate. I have to buy this one. And then after I was like, well, let me get the next one up. And before you know it, I'd spent enough money that I could have just done it right the first time. Uh, we haven't talked about digital. And when we're talking yeah. about yes, price, yes, you know, yes. so there are a lot of digital, which is basically a, a camera that has the, I believe the IR filter is removed. Or yeah, it's, it's. I would just say it's more sensitive to ambient. Okay, light. it's more sensitive to ambient light. And yes, like I, one of my hobbies is photography. The the ISO of the last camera body I bought versus the first digital camera body that I bought leaps and bounds, but it's still not the same. You can spend eight hundred dollars on a 
set of digital night vision. It's not going to be the same. No. Uh, one of the biggest differences, there's always going to be a delay. And it may be milliseconds, but milliseconds translating to your body that is used to having that real-time interface is going to be significant. Exactly. I'd say digital, we're going to see it take off in the future. It Obviously, with everything, 40 years ago, no one thought you'd have an iPhone in your pocket, and now we do. Digital night vision will make it there. I would say it's not up to par yet. So it's not actually amplifying any light. People may argue that, but there's no physical means of actually producing more electrons like an analog system. Right. So you are limited. You do have the lag, and they are power hungry. Going with an analog system nowadays, I'd say is, is definitely a better bet. So they cost more money, but what you pay for is what you get. So you can buy a $300 digital system. You can also buy a $5,000 digital system, but they have not broken into the realm of the analog systems yet, which is why the military has not really taken advantage of those systems yet. And I'd say there's a point where, where buying becomes smarter rather than like, I, I think it was, I was talking to an older guy who, who had been in uh, the, the drug side of the house for a while and he had done surveillance and he was telling about the surveillance scope they bought. It was actually a B.E. Myers Night Invader. I had to look it up. They have some cheesy commercial on uh, on YouTube for it. And it cost, we, we found the paperwork, $5,000. This thing's like basically looking through like an old Sprite bottle is what it's like looking through. And that costs $5,000 in the 90s. What would $5,000 get you now? $5,000 would get you one of our BNVD goggles, two Gen 3 dual tubes, collimated 10-year warranty in a, in a full mil spec system. So Right. So now is the time to buy night vision. It's mature technology. It's been around for a while. Like I can't imagine buying a... Well, an aim point back in the uh, back in the eighties or not, or like late eighties, early nineties, they were big. Battery life wasn't the greatest. Mounting options were there. Nowadays, red dot technology is so mature, you're set. It it might be expensive, but there's not a whole lot of downsides. And I think the same thing is true with night vision. It's it's expensive, but what are you getting versus what did it used to cost and what did it used to get you? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, just going down the other things, other avenues to think about with uh, night vision. We talked about the digital stuff, uh, and this is just me being the nerd that I am. You know, home security. I I recently purchased a new house, and I have trail cams. You know, it is a a digital night vision system. It requires a lot. If you look at your trail cam, it has an IR uh, bunch of LEDs there to push off light, just so that it can get something so that it you know can capture that video of whatever's walking in my backyard you know it's out there the technology has gotten better and it has gotten cheaper it just hasn't gotten there yet and it, we're, with the digital stuff yeah with now. the digital yeah. stuff and it's uh i'm not saying don't look at it you know still pay attention to it but you're still value added going ahead and getting the analog system now which is interesting this day and age that we can still say that you know yeah it is and to a certain extent, think about it, a uh, Smith & Wesson Model 10, the K-frame revolver, four-inch barrel. If you bought it in 1905, I think is when it came out, the hand ejector. If you bought one then, and you bought a four-inch Smith & Wesson today, there's still a six-shot revolver that shoots 38 Special. It's Night vision is still going to be night vision in 10 years. Even if it changes, and it's cheaper, and it's lighter and smaller, whatever, that performance, 
performance just because something new comes out doesn't magically make that stop working. Exactly. We joke around a lot and say, you know, one day you'll be able to go to Walmart and in the in the optics section, whatever, where they sell cameras, you'll see some PVS-14 sitting there. It'll be toys. <laughs> I mean, people are already buying them for their children. We know that people outfit their whole families, and it's no longer a taboo, high-speed, military-grade equipment. It's yeah. more of a life-saving equipment. Yeah, I, My hiking gear. I say that all the time. It is not for special operations. It is not for, uh, you know, an assassin. It is for everyone. Um, I'm currently looking at my own finances when you talk about outfitting the whole family. Yeah. I have four daughters. I want my daughters to have night vision. They go off to college. I want them to take a set of nods with them because it's just going to give them an advantage. Exactly. I want to give them every advantage that, that I can. Like you said, you have, you have daughters, you have children. Let's just say they're having a fire in the backyard, a party. You don't want to be the parent walking down there with big white lights checking up on them. You can look out your back window, turn on your night vision, see everything's going fine, and go back to sleep. You don't have to be that person. And that comes down to just being invasive in any military operation. You're not shining white lights. You're not letting people know you're there. As a parent, you can do whatever you want. Watch your dog. Watch your children. I, I completely agree. I believe yeah. in being a good parent, knowing what's going on, and seeing and they don't always need to know that you're you're watching. Exactly. Because sometimes that makes their behaviors change. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, gentlemen, hey, I appreciate you guys coming and joining me today, talking about night vision, some of the capabilities that are out there. Guys, we, we make the joke all the time, sell some of your guns, buy some night vision. It's not a joke. Uh, this is a step that you need to be looking at. And once you have the night vision – Take your family out, go camping. The family is going to see the night vision and appreciate the night vision probably a lot faster than they will that brand new, uh, yeah, you know, I, I gotta say, fourth I, AR. I took my parents out to uh, to look through my, my nods when I got issued them. And, uh, again, dad's not a gun guy. Mom's not a gun person. So, like, even if I showed like, okay, cool. Took my night vision, they were blown away. Like they they were impressed they they and then my mom actually asked how much they cost and I told her and she wasn't interested anymore but <laughs> you know but the point is 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 you're gonna get a lot more use out of night vision than you would another gun and your night vision you can use when it's dark in your house whatever so it and if you're unconvinced come to a night vision class come to one of our low light classes we have loaner units available come out and that's a great place to start you know uh, Malcolm you've been kind to come out to some of our classes. I love having you there because you have that industry background. You, When we get those questions about nanometers, and I'm like, uh, is that a millimeter? That, that's a nanometer, right? <laughs> I'm slightly uh, better than Chris. I know that the bigger number is better. Okay. <laughs> and I know that FOM stands for figure of merit. I don't know how to actually explain that to you. I just know that a better FOM, you know. And I, I say, yeah, right. can I see in the dark with it? Yes. yes. Okay, good. Um, but come out. We have the knowledge. We have the equipment experience it uh like flynn says luxury once tasted is yeah. a, becomes necessity and that, that that is that is absolutely true you guys are going to come out and see the value of this and suddenly that three thousand dollar price point is not going to be ridiculous exactly uh, and, and again I, I tell guys all the time i hate to keep hammering this but open your gun safe right now pick up your iphone go walk to your gun safe look inside of it Tell you, ask yourself how much money is sitting there in barrels and rails and optics, and how much of that are you not using? Like, how many 
M4 clones do you really need? Exactly. When If you got to leave your house and you yeah. take one of everything, yeah. you, you can't carry five guns. No. You can't shoot five guns. Uh, and you obviously, you know, on dual tubes. You, you've got to run, you know, but you got to have a couple. I understand that. I do, I do too. But having all those guns and no night vision, it's you're really hurting yourself. You're hamstringing your capabilities. Well, Malcolm, thank you for coming out and joining with us and talking about uh, night vision. Flynn, as always, I appreciate having you here. It's a pleasure. Guys, thank you for putting up with me and uh, my nugness as I try and, you know, tell you, buy night vision, night vision good. (laughs) These guys are definitely some experts, and they did bring a lot of value to information, and I hope you guys can make an informed decision out there. Uh, It is something that we are passionate about, and I think that as you experience it, you will become passionate about it as well. And, uh... Take care. Be safe. Industrial strength night vision goggles. Holy Santa Claus shit. Can you imagine if we had these when we were 12? Even better. We got them when we're 40. You know what's amazing? They're not that noticeable on your face.